Hello and good morning to the lovely Sarah over on the other side of the world. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, yes, thank you, Donna. Um, as you say, I'm on the other side of the world. I'm in Sydney, um, where it is early in the morning and we're in for another week of rain. We've had so much rain in the last, well, this summer has been the wettest summer I can remember. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I've lived here for 30 years now, um, but I'm come, I come from London originally and, um, and yes, um, I have three children, a husband who puts up with me somehow. Mind you, I have to put up with him too. So I guess it swings and roundabouts. Um, <laughs> and um, I took to writing quite late in life. I guess I was in my late 40s when I decided to see if I could write anything. Um, and it's gone on from there. So Exile, which is my fourth book with Bloodhound, was published well, it's your today, my yesterday, <laughs> um, which is very exciting. So, yeah, that's that's. I'll just do a little plug for that one. And um, Donna read it and loved it, didn't you, Donna? <laughs> I did. Yes, I had to stay up and finish it because it was. Oh. I don't know how you do it. It's just amazing. But yeah, it was uh, oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I wish I my review actually. I, I kept meaning to do that today, but I didn't get to answer. Oh, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I just, I think, um, you know, I just, it's having worked in mental health and counselling for a long time, I just, I just find the way people think and what motivates them and how they act fascinating. And with this latest book, I thought we're probably going off track. You might have questions to ask, but I'll just, blurt on anyway um, with my mother had a friend who had this obsessive love disorder um, and she was a woman in her mid-50s and um and I can remember her coming around to see my mother and all she could talk about was this man she was in love with I was a teenager and um she could all she could talk about and it was so inappropriate a lot of it was inappropriate in front of me and and if they weren't even having a relationship she was just literally stalking him she would sit outside his house and just watch and see when it you know wait for him to come out and just watch him drive away and it was it was both the weirdest and the saddest thing I'd ever heard at the time um and I just it stayed with me it just stayed with me for so long and in the end it I mean, it's not her by any means, Kirsty's character, but yeah, I just couldn't get it out of my head. So eventually it had to come out in a book. <laughs> well, it's so much more than that. It's, you know, yeah. obviously there's a difficult relationship with their mother, then there's the unrequited love and... Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yes. just, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and trusting herself enough to start building new relationships and and finding, you know comfort in those yeah so it was a beautiful book to write actually <laughs> I really enjoyed writing it yeah. and so different from invisible like they couldn't be <laughs> more different if you tried <laughs> no well I suppose I could have written a, a gritty crime thriller that might have been a bit more dif different but yeah that, for me they were as different as they could be um, in terms of my genre which I suppose is sort of psychological character driven dramas yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this time was the very outer of Scotland, which was uh, also a big change from Invisible. So why did you choose 
there. I mean, I suppose it was the perfect setting for the story, but of all the places. Yeah. Well, um, I'm I'm half Scottish. My mother's side of the family are all from Scotland, not from Shetland, but um, from Scotland. So Scotland somewhere I'm reasonably familiar with. Um, but I just and I but I wanted her to be somewhere so remote. So I just started googling places that she could have gone to and it was you know the outer hebrides or the shetland islands and um i i actually i chose the shetlands because i i managed to somehow get onto shetland radio not not speaking but listening to shetland radio and i couldn't understand a word they were saying it's such a it's a beautiful accent but it's just so quite weird I mean it, yeah <laughs> so so um I just thought well that's the place that's the place I want to I want to set it there so yeah it was uh, after that it was just a question of doing lots of research talking to a couple of people that um live on uh, near Lair, near Lerick or Lairwick um on the main main Scottish you know, Shetland Island about the Shetlands and um and then lots of research yeah so yeah, yeah I, I've got to go though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta go sometime now. I've sold it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better brush up on your Scottish accent, then, otherwise you won't ever come. No, oh, oh hand. <laughs> that was a very bad Scottish accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I used to work with a, um, a Scottish lady um, in my old job that I was telling you about before. So I got used to some of the weird phrases that she used. So I wasn't too like, oh, what the hell, <laughs> like hen yeah. and, and little things yeah. like that, you know. So, but you do get used to them after a while. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And some of them just, you know, they roll off the tongue for me because I just remember my grandmother talking like that, you know. So yeah, it was actually quite nice. I felt quite close to my grandmother when I was writing it because she she died about. 25 years ago so yeah I, I it made me feel quite close to her writing setting a book in Scotland yeah. yeah um which of the characters did you have most fun writing this time and which of your characters gave you most trouble I think um gosh I loved writing Duncan um you know, 80, 79, 80 year old man, Scottish, you know, Shetland Islander who'd never been any further than the Shetlands. And I just, he was just such a good foil for Kirsty. You know, he, he was so totally the opposite of everything she was. And so I actually, I think I fell a little bit in love with him. <laughs> um, and, and Ishbel and her kind of bustling, ways I really enjoyed writing her I found um I found Kirsty difficult to write actually um a lot of the time I I the first draft um I showed it to some people in my writers group and they said she's not very likable I, I, I don't actually care what happens to her and I had to I mean, and I think there's there are still elements of that because of what she did it, it was so I but I tried to balance that a lot better with her kind of internal monologues when she was kind of when she'd gone to live on the Shetlands and and ref, was reflecting on what she'd done and realized the kind of full impact of it on other people's lives not just her own um <clears throat> but so that it was difficult getting that balance because you know she was a very troubled woman um 
Uh, yeah, so I think, and Morag, her mother, you know, she was she was an interesting character. Again, you know, prickly and damaged. I quite like writing damaged characters, but it was very nice writing Ishbel and Duncan on the other side who were just so um, not damaged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. Duncan from the very first time he was mentioned to the last page. I love him. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah um, he's a, a good chap. He's a good chap. <laughs> he is. He, yeah, he's just one of life's good guys, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Wish they were all like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your most fun scene to write and what was the most difficult? Ooh, um, gosh. Well, interestingly, the most fun scene wasn't to, to write wasn't the most fun scene in the book. I think the most fun scene to write was um, uh, near the end, and I don't really, I don't really want to make, give any spoilers away. But um, <clears throat> it was when it was the scene directly before the big reveal and the big reveal at the end. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but I really don't want to say much more about it than that. Um, it was really fun to write because I, I knew what was coming the whole way through. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know exactly what the setting was going to be for that scene, but I knew it was coming and I was just so excited to get there. And I, and then to, and I really had to work and work and work at that one to, to get it just right. Um, so I really enjoyed writing that scene. The difficult scenes were um, were the sex scenes because they can be they can become so cliched, you know. And and I'm always I'm always uh, wary of the the worst sex scene awards that are given out by some <laughs> people every year. Um, and you know, I, I and I. It's, it's not an erotic fiction book by any means, but because of the nature of her obsessive love disorder, there had to be sex in it because that's how she, that's how she felt love was expressed. And, um, and, but yes, they were very difficult to write. So they didn't just become cliched and um, trite. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if I quite hit the mark there, but, you know, I, they are what they are. It's out there now. I can't do anything about it. But, yeah, if there was anything, you know, in 10 years' time, if I go back and read it, I'm sure there'll be things about the sex scenes that I think, oh, God, for God's sake, why? oh, God, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't seen anyone comment about them in the review, so that's usually a good sign, I think. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed yeah, this time. I think, I think silence is probably best. Than... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, you know, I, I find it funny when people review books. You know, they, they, they give it a one star and say, it was totally rubbish. I couldn't finish it. And you just think, yeah. I don't mind you giving it a one star if you finished it and there were things you really didn't like about it and you felt it only deserved a one star rating. But, you know, and, but I'm thinking that, you know, it may be that this book gets one star ratings from people that don't like the sex scenes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, if they don't comment, you'll never know, will you? <laughs> no, but that's, that's the problem. You know, you can't, how can you, you can't use feedback if it's not, um, detailed and constructive because I you know I think reviews are in some way feedback you know they help you make your next book better um, you know they, they, they're flattering and some hopefully you know some of them are lovely and yours and some, I've had some love, other lovely reviews but you know 
they're only useful in terms of making you feel good for a moment and and um, you know loving the reviewer and um, and making your writing better. Yeah, so yeah. Mm. Anyway. And I think it was you in one of the groups this week that was asking what our favourite words were. So what's your favourite word? My favourite word. Well, I love mellifluous because it is just such a lovely sounding word. Um, but I like words like skanky <laughs> because, <laughs> because it just sounds like what it means. <laughs> that is a um, word that gets used a lot in Luton. <laughs> that gets yes. on a daily basis at work, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not it's not a it's not a great positive word, but it's just it's so good at, you know, you're so skanky. Um Yes, but um, discombobulated, which is how I feel a lot of the time. I think that's a lovely word. But I think, you know, friendship is a lovely word. Uh, you know, there are words that I love because they sound lovely, like mellifluous. There are words that I love because of what they mean. And I think friendship is a, such a, an underrated value these days. So, um, yeah, I think mellifluous and friendship would be my favourite words. Other uh, favourite word possibly is petrichor. Oh yes, oh yes. Is that is that? Um, no, tell me what it means. To, I, I think I, I've heard it before. It's the smell um, after it's rained. The smell of the yes. yeah after it's you know that that special. I think I guess summer, but yeah, yeah. the smell after rain. Yeah, I love that word, yeah. and I love the meaning behind it as well because. Yeah, that smell is something awesome. And the fact it's got its own word is cool. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I think the English language is amazing, really. You know, that we can have a word that just means that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. And also yeah. very grateful to have been born up, brought up and taught English from a young age because learning it as, you know, as a foreign language, hell no. Yeah, yeah. Just a nightmare, this random weird ways that we have and you know our sounds yeah. and yeah oh I know yeah it will be an awful language to learn as a second language I'm yeah. trying to learn Spanish and that's meant to be one of the easiest languages to learn and it's still doing my head in so <laughs> yeah I've tried that <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I take my hat off to people who can speak more than one language I really do yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey ho not for this lifetime yeah, that's it. That's what apparently what lockdown was for, but there was, you know, books to read and stuff. So <laughs> there was no that's time right. for <laughs> oh, no time for anything else. No. <laughs> um when you were when you were editing, what was your most overused word or phrase? Oh, um, I do find in dialogue I start a lot of sentences with sentences with so. So so was one of my so so one of my was one of my overused words um was i oh that there are a lot of little connecting words or whatever um just i i seem to use an awful lot um but i did pick up that i was using um i think it i think it was in exile um, oh, I, you know, people laugh too much. You know, she laughed or she nodded. You know, a lot of those sort of when you don't want to just say she said, so you add something else instead of a speech tag. Oh, too often it was laughing, smiling, nodding. 
So I have to, you know, I just do a word search for all those and then try and change them. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the things like that that slip by when you're writing. You don't even notice them because they're so habituated. And um, yeah, and then have to do the word search, you know, oh my God, he, you know, 543 wases. <laughs> it's just, oh God, I've got to change that. Oh, yeah. That's the hard, I think, edit, you know, writing for me, I love editing the first and second draft you know yes that's that's fine because it's still kind of quite new and exciting when I get around to you know working with Ian my editor and he's you know he's picking up the things that I haven't seen yet or you know he's asking questions about this that and the other and I think oh really really this is getting hard now <laughs> I thought I'd done this <laughs> so yeah and I get so bored I get to the point where I just want the bloody thing out I just I want to smash my computer and just get rid of the thing because I, you know it's just you know because I do a lot of rewriting and drafts and you know I mean I, I I absolutely admire people that can write one draft and then send it off but that really isn't me I, you yeah. know that's a I know that's slow yeah. I can't imagine many people can do that. If they can, then they're a genius and I, I bow down to them as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it takes me a long time. <clears throat> What's your favourite bit then of the whole process, the whole journey? Um, <clears throat> getting the first idea, I think. I, I always worry that I'm never going to have another idea and and I know that I can't force that you know if I look for ideas none of them really gel so it has to be much more kind of organic than that and um and so I I have to kind of sit and just wait almost or or you know just go around my normal day and normal life and hope that somebody says something that triggers something and in fact that happened last week um so I've started writing another book uh, <laughs> um and, and this one is very different. You know, every book for me is a completely different process. So with, with Exile, I had to do a lot of research before I started writing. Um, this one, because it's set somewhere that I'm more familiar with and because um, it's, there are things that I know I will have to research, but I think I can research those when I get there rather than do the bulk of the research beforehand because... Um, it's about three women at different stages in their lives facing the different issues that those ages throw up, um, you know, young women and, and sort of partner choices and, you know, career mistakes they might make. Middle aged women who start feeling invisible in work and maybe haven't, you know, found them, have either found themselves with a partner that maybe it's not working out after all these years or a single for the first time in years. And an older woman who is facing you know, the end of her life and all the issues that brings. <clears throat> so, um, you know, not so, not so much in terms of research, just, um, you know, drag, drawing on people that I've known that have been facing those issues. And then, you know, they'll, so I'm taking three women, they'll come together and then there'll be some crisis that tests them all. So I haven't, I've just, I've just 
realize what that crisis will be as well. So, um, so yes, this is the exciting part for me, just starting writing, getting the idea, working the ideas up. I, I do a lot of writing in my notebook. I love writing with a good pen <laughs> on nice paper. So I, um, I do a lot of longhand thinking and writing down ideas and notes and character profiles and stuff. And then I'll go to the computer and write a little bit and then go back to my notebook. So this is the bit that I really love when I'm finding out what the story is. Um, yeah, I really, really love this bit. It's very exciting. What was the most surprising thing you found out while researching it, Sal? Um, <clears throat> I think um, the, the full impact of having a, something like obsessive love disorder on somebody's life. You know, I, I mentioned before that my mother had a friend with this um, issue and, but and she would come and she would just talk about it. I mean, she, you know, she, it was very difficult to divert her from the topic of himself, as she called this man that she was in love with, who didn't probably even know she existed. Um, <clears throat> but I, you know, researching uh, obsessive love disorder, I just, it's, it's, it's tragic for many people. You know, it, it literally engulfs their lives, you know, and, and, and often it is so such an unrequited situation to be in. You know, sometimes people with this disorder are in a relationship with the person that they're kind of fixated on, but their obsession kind of makes it fall over fairly quickly. Um, sometimes the person that they're in love with doesn't even know that they exist. And, and it's all this, you know, this these incredible highs and lows if they feel like they're getting any recognition or anything from the other person they euphoria and if not then despair and and but you know having your head taken up you know nearly all your time all your waking life with that that you have no control over um it's just it's, it beggars belief and and yeah i just i found it sad and um yeah and 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 you know, there's nothing, nothing to do about it. You know, there's no medication that you can take that suddenly switches it off or, you know, people go to therapy for, um, you know, to try and talk about it, but it, it seems very stuck. Once you're there, it's pretty sticky stuff. And yeah, it's, it's really, it was very hard to read all that actually. And yeah. Yeah, I imagine lots of sad stories left behind yeah, yeah, I can imagine that was pretty awful, actually. Quite harrowing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Trixie's waking up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not for long. She's just going to curl in. Oh, she's she going to curl up and go to sleep again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that sofa's far too comfortable. Usually, she she was laying right on my chest. There, she lays up here. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> No, she says I'm comfortable here, thanks. <laughs> you can't make me perform. Here comes Hello. <laughs> no, she's winking at me. Those ears going up and down, little ears going up and down. No, her ears oh. are gorgeous. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, she's just like, no, you're being weird. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it nice? 
Um, what's been your highlights since the last book? Oh, highlights since the last book. I think um, Bloodhound taking on the next book. <laughs> um, yeah, because, you know, it's it's a it's a funny thing the publishing industry you know they can the publishers can love one book and not like the next one and so it's always um it's always anxiety provoking sending out the next one and fingers crossed so I was really happy very stoked that they took this one on um so yeah that's it's, it's that's a highlight um but I think you know basically connecting with readers is is the thing you know I I um I just I spend an awful lot more time on social media than I ever imagined I would and and I you know when I first started when when the train came out the first book um and I kind of thought oh I've got to you know I've got to get out there and I've got to you know connect with people and and you know people you know got lovely reviews and I wanted to thank people and you know this that and the other and I but I was in that stage where I was kind of also resenting the amount of time I was spending doing all that and um, and now actually it's one of the pleasures. <laughs> it's one of the pleasures of writing is actually meeting other writers and readers and you know just chatting about books. And I've joined you know various online book um, clubs now. <laughs> so I'm reading books and discussing them with you know not my not my books but discussing other people's books with other readers and. And I and I have a physical face to face book club that I've been going to for years, and um, so just yes, that really, really embracing all that, and yeah, giving up resenting it. There's there's no point because it's just it's such a lovely thing to do. It's such a lovely thing. I wouldn't have met you if I hadn't been doing that. So, you know, there's a positive. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Just, yeah. yeah, getting getting out there and yeah, and I you know I I. I'm not, I'm not somebody who, I mean, at the moment, all you'll see on my social media is, you know, my book, my book, my book. But in the general course of events, I'm not somebody that easily sells myself. Um, you may find that hard to believe because I'm doing this, but <laughs> I'm not somebody that, that usually finds that easy. I just prefer to talk to people about other stuff and, you know, and books are part of that, but, you know, they're not the thrust of it. Um, so yeah, it's just lovely knowing, getting to know all these people that also love reading and also love writing, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, I you lot just massively insecure at the minute. Honestly, it's driving me nuts. Like, oh, people won't want to hear me talk and stuff. I'm like, yes, they do. They will. Like, seriously, pull yourself together. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I think you know. I, I'm not an introvert, but I also don't like being the centre of attention, um, which is funny for an extrovert. I love being around people, but I don't like to be the one in the spotlight. And and I think, you know, when you put a book out there or when you're going to talk to, you know, do an interview or whatever, you're in the spotlight and it's not a comfortable place to be. And I think, you know, most of us have imposter syndrome, you know, we're, you know, we're waiting to be found out. We're waiting for the person that says, you're not really that good, you know. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, every day is like just waiting for that. <laughs> just waiting for the person that says, come off it, you know, get real. And so every day is lovely when it doesn't happen. I'm taking every day one day at a time. <laughs> but, but yes, we all, I think it, it's, 
par for the course. I think anybody who's creative, you know, in any realm of creativity probably feels the same, however successful they are, because it's you're only as successful as your next piece, your next book, your next artwork, your next statue, your next whatever it might be, your next song. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fickle world out there. Yeah, but trying to be still that's ego is exhausting, honestly. It's like a full-time job. Oh, itself. just tell us to get just tell us to get over ourselves. You know, I do. don't, 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 don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> I ain't messing around. I've got shit to do. I can't be messing around going, oh, you're fine. Yeah, no. Pull yourself together, sort yourself out, and get right. Yeah, that's that's what that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need. <laughs> Stop complaining, get on with it. Yeah. Like you've got buddy hundreds of five star reviews and everyone's raving about you. Shut up. Get right in. <laughs> <laughs> this is wasted time. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's like fishing, isn't it? Fishing. Yeah. People tell me to shut up and they'll start getting cheeky back there, which is not fair. <laughs> this was not part of the deal. <laughs> oh, you want to dish it out, but you don't want to take it in. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, it, it was not part of the deal to get cheeky back again, but yeah. <laughs> it does make uh, me laugh though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I see some of the comments on your page and it's just hysterical. It, it makes me chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. It doesn't help that I'm a child actually, and I probably do encourage it most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you so do encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> Well, it makes me laugh, so sod it. It's my page. Oh, yes, right. And it's, it's, you know, it's a great way to relate, isn't it? I mean, you know, have a bit of fun. Yeah, that's it. A bit of lightness in this life. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, so needed. And, you know, crime authors and stuff are just weird anyway, so in the nicest possible way, but, you know, really weird. Yeah, yeah. well, they have to be to write the stuff they write. Yeah. <laughs> I'm including you in that, knowing that you're writing crime. <laughs> yeah, especially with what I told you before we started recording. <laughs> I have nothing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to read that one. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will finish it. I will finish it soon. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I want. To, I want to be a reader. Thank you. I want to be an arc reader or a draft reader or anything reader. Okay, it's a deal. You are my list of one. Excellent. <laughs> excellent um so i'll just ask you some silly questions just because that's what i do um yep. and one of my new favorite ones is have you uh, where's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up oh the funniest or strangest place i've ever woken up was in a hallway <laughs> of, a, of a so i went to a party um and it was the, the front door was i think it was must have been a house that had been split into two but anyway the front door and then there was this long narrow hall and stairs straight up to the flat and the other front door for the other flat must have been next door but anyway so I went to this party in this upstairs flat and and I must admit I might have had a drink or two too many um but I was having a great time and um and I woke up in that downstairs hallway near the front door um with the front door ajar in the morning and realised in my slightly um, hungover state that everybody must have walked past me to leave. <laughs> and I was fast asleep. 
near the front door. <laughs> so that was probably the weirdest. Yeah. Um, what's one of your pet hates? <laughs> I haven't told that to many people, I have to say. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Uh, but what's one of your pet hates? Pet hates? Oh, um, I I don't like dishonesty. Um, I, I have known people who just seem to lie for the sake of it over little things as well as big things. And I just, I find, I, I just don't understand why. You know, when it's as easy to tell the truth as it is to tell a lie or to say nothing, why come out with a lie? Because they're not necessarily, I mean, I can understand, you know, <laughs> from being a counsellor and working in mental health, I can understand why people might lie to make themselves look a little bit bigger or better in some way. But I, and that, you know, we all do that. We exaggerate sometimes. But I don't understand why people would tell an out and out lie just for the sake of it and often get found out because they, you know, I think if you're a liar, you have to have a really, really, really good memory to, to remember what you've, what shit you've said to people. And most people don't. And so, you know, they'll, they'll contradict themselves, you know, and, and you just end up thinking now, nah, I don't think this is, this relationship's going anywhere. Thank you very much. We can't be friends anymore. Um, yeah. I just, it's an odd thing, that whole honesty thing. But yeah, say nothing or tell the truth. That's my credo. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent agree with you. I hate lies as well, with a passion. Yeah. There's no need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. anyway. So that yeah, that's it. That would be it for me. Um, if you were to be a fictional killer, how would you kill your victims? <laughs> well, somebody not long ago that I was talking to, oh, about half an hour ago, told me a very good way of killing. <laughs> oh, but I won't steal that one. How would I? I think poison. I think poison um, and a plant poison. I think um, I, I actually um, have been researching um, a, a a way of killing somebody um, using maybe dig digitalis from a foxglove or um, there are so many really, really nasty plants out there. In oleander bushes are everywhere in Australia. I think they also, you also see them in England, but every part of that plant is really poisonous. So just boil up a bit of the roots and mash the leaves up and give them to somebody. Um, yeah, I think a plant-based poison. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, I quite enjoy making it as well. I think I'd quite enjoy the whole process of you know <laughs> gathering the bits of the plant and you know boiling them up and making the poison as well. <laughs> yeah. I'd be quite, if I if I wanted to kill somebody, I'd be really invested in the whole process. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you were fictionally killed, who would you want to solve your murder? Oh, if I was fictionally killed, who would I want to solve my murder? I think um, Vera. <laughs> Maybe Vera, because she's such a curmudgeonly old thing. Um, um, or... Oh, I do love Jimmy Perez, but mainly because he's played by Douglas Henshaw. So <laughs> am, I allowed, am I allowed to have Douglas Henshaw solving the murder, even though he's actually an actor? 
um have you seen reacher yet that all the women are no, watching ah uh, yeah no. watch, watch reacher <laughs> okay okay maybe i'll have him then <laughs> on your recommendation <laughs> he takes his yeah. top off I, a lot and it's appreciated oh, 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 yes. that sounds good that yeah. sounds good but i'll be dead so i won't see it that's the problem <laughs> yeah it's it's um, it is very good to be fair it's not just because he's hot and he takes his top off it's just a nice right. bonus. <laughs> okay okay I'll, I'll have him or maybe um have you seen um young wallander on netflix no i haven't so do you know the henning mankel wallander books yes he's a swedish writer so they made the series about you know the, those those books but now because obviously they were popular they've come up with a whole new <laughs> prequel young wallander um there are two series of that and he's quite nice i wouldn't mind having him solve my murder <laughs> slightly worrying although totally what i would do of you choosing someone based on how hot they are rather than how good they are investigating crime I said, I said, you know, I said Vera. <laughs> she's yeah, not exactly point, actually. <laughs> fair point. I just, I just love the way she's so, you know. I don't know. She's just really annoying, but she gets there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't need to bust, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I don't have any more questions for you today, unless you think there's anything that I've missed out that you'd want to tell us. No, I don't think there is, although it's been lovely talking to you. And um, thank you again for doing this and for everything you do for authors and for your lovely review of Exile. Um, yeah, just it means so much. It really means a lot. So thank you so much. Always lovely to chat to you. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. And good luck. Enjoy your graduation. Enjoy oh, every moment you. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Well yeah. on you. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, would you just like to show us your book again and tell us where you can get it from? Exile <laughs> is now available. It's on all digital platforms um, and it's available as paperback from Amazon, anywhere in the world. And that's about it, I think. Yay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Donna. It's been, a, been lovely talking to you. <laughs>